church for your generosity uh, from what you gave to benevolence through the consecration offering has been put to good use, and we appreciate that. And today uh, is, as you heard, Consecration Sunday, and uh, this is something that we do in the Mission Church every year. Um, so as we prepare our hearts to uh, consecrate our careers and ourselves to the Lord, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, and um, we're going to talk for a few minutes about a gentleman by the name of Gehazi. Today I want to talk to you about the Gehazi complex, the Gehazi complex. Some of you may know it as Gehazi. Uh, either pronunciations can be used. Gehazi is more, um, uh, more like our modern English, English pronunciation. Gehazi is truer to, uh, to the he- ancient Hebrew. So a little background here in this story in 2 Kings chapter 5 regarding Gehazi. It begins with um, a Syrian commander, a general, whose name was Naaman. And he was a a powerful, wealthy military commander. And he was healed of leprosy through the ministry of Elisha. And he wanted to pay Elisha. He wanted to reward Elisha for the miracle. But Elisha said to Naaman, he said, no. He said, I cannot accept payment for a miracle. He said, the healing didn't come from me. It came from God. And all honor and all thanks and all praise should go to God, not to me. And so Elisha would not accept any kind of gift or any kind of thanks from Naaman for the healing. And as this is happening, as this uh, conversation is taking place, Gehazi is listening to it, and he can hear what's going on. And so after the exchange, this happens in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman this Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him, ahead of Gehazi. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, I didn't go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, 
the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out, Gehazi went out from the presence of Elisha, leprous as white as snow. So the Gehazi complex is about an inner conflict regarding your station in life. It's about discontentment with the place that God has given you and chasing after Naaman for something that you think is better. Now, Scripture says that Gehazi was a servant to the prophet Elisha. Now, this was a great privilege for Gehazi. It means that he was being prepared. He was being mentored to become the next prophet of Israel. He's in the same place that Elisha was when Elisha was a servant to Elijah. In fact, before he became Elisha the prophet, he was known as Elisha who poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was, Elisha was, Elijah's water boy, his servant. And this is the principle here that we understand about promotion, is that you will never be a great prophet unless you can first be a great servant. You've got to be able to carry someone else's water before you can carry the anointing of God. And if you're too big to carry water, then you're too small to carry God's anointing. Now, Gehazi finds himself now in the role of the water boy, the servant to Elisha, which means he's not just carrying water, he would be washing Elisha's clothes, fixing his meals, carrying his bags, setting up his tent, preparing his bedding, emptying his waste bucket in the morning, carrying messages for him, running errands, all of the things that a servant would do. Now you might say, why? Why, why is all of that necessary? What does being a servant have to do with being a prophet? Well, it has everything. Because humbling yourself to serve and to cook and to clean and to take orders, even when you don't like those orders, is a sign of humility. And before God gives an anointing, God wants to prepare our character to carry that anointing. Did you hear that? That's what God, before God gives us promotion, advancement, or enlargement, He wants to first deepen our character to carry that enlargement and that promotion because leadership or anointing or promotion will destroy the man or the woman whose character has not been prepared for it. I've said this saying so many times higher levels bring higher devils, right? With promotion, with enlargement comes greater temptations heavier burdens and responsibilities, more intense warfare and attacks from the enemy. So before God takes us higher by increasing our anointing or our position, He wants to take us deeper by preparing our character, lest we become top-heavy in our promotion and we fall. So for Gehazi, it wasn't about being a servant. It was about being in a place, being in a process where God would prepare him 
for the purpose that God had for him. Now, the problem for Gehazi and the problem for us is that this place that God often appoints for us can be a hard place. Gehazi didn't like it. He didn't like it. He didn't fully appreciate the opportunity and the privilege that he had. Which brings us to the first truth that I want to pull from this story. The Gehazi complex is to be discontent in the place that God has for you. Now, contrary to some high-profile Christian celebrities who want to sell books, God is not committed to making your dreams come true. God is committed to His purpose for you. And there's a difference. God is not interested in making our lives happy and comfortable and fulfilled. He's interested in developing us, in perfecting us, in unlocking our potential that will ultimately serve His purpose for our lives. And 1 Corinthians 12, 18 tells us that God sets each member of His body in a place of His choosing that pleases Him to work His purposes through us. Are you getting this? It's not about our happiness or our contentment or what our dreams are. It's about His purpose for our lives. Amen? Right? Now, for Gehazi, that place at that time was as a servant to Elisha. But Gehazi became discontent in that place, and so we see that he runs after Naaman. He was disappointed that Elisha did not secure some cash flow, some budget increase, some additional revenue for the organization, which perhaps Gehazi would benefit from through a bonus or maybe some sort of a, of a gift himself, right? And so verse 20 says, Gehazi says, as the Lord lives, I mean, that's a pretty strong statement right there. I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. And he got something too from Naaman. Verse 23 says he got two talents of silver and two changes of garments. It's easy to become discontent in your place if you don't understand what the purpose of being in that place is. He didn't see this as an opportunity for him to learn and to grow and to be prepared. He didn't value things. Gehazi didn't value things like humility and teachability and modesty and the ability to take direction and preparation. What Gehazi valued was things like silver and status. That's what he valued. The silver was a chance for him to upgrade his comfort level. Naaman was a wealthy general in the Syrian army. What he offered Elisha as a gift was probably more than just, you know, a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. It was probably a life-changing kind of gift, a home-buying, property-owning, get-yourself-a-few-hundred-head-of-cattle kind of gift. And Gehazi saw this as a chance 
to get paid and to improve his life and maybe hire some servants of his own that he could delegate some of the unpleasant tasks from Elisha to them. The garments had a significance too. These were a chance for Gehazi to get some prestige, some status for himself. Because in that culture, clothing, how you dressed, was a sign of status. And I could imagine that Naaman, this wealthy Syrian commander, had some really nice clothes made of silk, detailed embroidery, rich woolen lining, probably had some gold or some silver buttons, some precious gems sewn into the material. And these clothes would be a sign of status and accomplishment and wealth and prestige. And Gehazi didn't just want new clothes. He wanted the status that came with those clothes. He was tired of being known only as Elisha's water boy. He wanted his own status, his own title, his own recognition, the recognition of being someone important, someone successful, someone impressed. And after all, he had worked hard. He had sacrificed. He told himself, am I not entitled as the Lord lives? I'm going to chase after Naaman and get something that I deserve. I'm entitled to it. Which is the second truth about the Gehazi complex. The Gehazi complex is when you feel entitled to more than what God has given you and you start chasing after Naaman. How many times have we seen people chasing after Naaman in this life? God gives you a place, but in that place there's not enough recognition. Other people are getting recognition, but you're not. God gives you a a position, but in that position, there's not enough influence. There's not enough authority or leadership or prestige. And you think like you deserve better. Serving Elisha is hard. That place that I've, I've been assigned to is hard. It's uncomfortable. I don't like the orders that I'm given, the direction that I have to take, long hours, sacrifice. I need something more rewarding, more satisfying. It's called chasing after Naaman. I'm tired of singing in the choir in the back row. I want to be a worship leader. I'm tired of, of being an intercessor that no one knows about. I want to be a prophet so I can tell people what God is showing me. I'm tired of being in the nursery with all the crying babies. I want to be somewhere where my talents shine and, and my gifts are, are recognized. I'm, I'm fed up with this station in life. Maybe I'm fed up with this marriage or with this husband or with this wife or, or, or sitting at home with these children. I'm sick of this job day in and day out. I'm sick of this ministry week after week. And we start to resent it and we start to feel entitled to something better than the station that God has pointed us to. But understand that God puts us in a place of His choosing because in that place, he wants us to learn some things that are valuable in the kingdom. Things like humility. Things like selflessness. Things like being faithful in obscurity. When there is no reward or recognition, when there is no appreciation or affirmation, can we still be faithful when we're not receiving what we think our gifts warrant? 
And say, I want to shine. I want to distinguish myself. I want to lead. I want to command. I want to, I want to control. And you know what? This really is an epidemic today in, in our culture. Everyone is starving for attention and affirmation. I mean, just go on social media, on Facebook or Instagram or, or TikTok. It is a wasteland of starving egos. Has anybody noticed this? Everybody's trying to be a, a star in their little 15-second story. Look at me. Watch me. Listen to me. I'm important. I'm special. I have something to say. Hello. <laughs> Listen, I have a word, especially for our young people today. Listen, you are not the main character in everybody else's story. In fact, you're not even the main character in your own story. Jesus reserves that role for himself. So, he puts us in a place of obscurity and humility to ensure that we're not in it to just get glory for ourselves. I like this quote from Christine Kane. She said, If the light that is in you is not greater than the light that is on you, then the light that is on you will destroy you. So he holds us in that place. He Holds us in that process until he burns away all the pride and, and all the entitlement so that all remains is the light of Christ shining out from us. And that's all people see. They don't see our talent. They don't see our gifting. They don't see our name. They don't care about us. All they can see is Jesus in us and through us. And that's his goal for your life. That we become like Elisha who says to the Naaman of this world, I don't want your gifts. I don't want your recognition. I don't want your applause. I don't want your payment. I don't want your little emotional payoff through a dopamine release because you like me. I'm not in it to be the star. He's the star. I'm just here to reflect his glory. That's where he's trying to bring us to. Because listen, if we don't kill that pride, if we don't kill that, that ego, it will corrupt us. It will corrupt us. Which brings me to the last truth here. The Gehazi complex is when you can easily choose profit over principle. Look at how much Gehazi was willing to compromise his integrity for a few bars of silver and a couple changes of clothes, for an upgrade in comfort and some status. Verse 22, Elisha confronts him. I mean, Naaman asks him. He says, what are you doing here? And in verse 22, he says, my master sent me. Lie. That was a lie. His master didn't send him. Saying, indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Lie. Everybody say lie. That was a lie. Please give them a talent of silver, and two changes of garments. Lie. Elisha never said that. So Naaman said, please take two. And when he came to the citadel, he came, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Not only is he three times a liar, now he's a thief. This is a man who's lost all of his integrity. 
His humility is gone. His honesty is gone. His honor is gone. His ability to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit is gone. He's now a liar, a thief, and a manipulator. Just so he can upgrade his comfort level and get a little recognition from the world because he has impressive clothing. Look what happened when he finally saw Elisha. Verse 25. Where'd you go, Gehazi? And he said, I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. No, you're talking about, I didn't go. I've been here the whole time. And Elisha says, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time now to receive money and to receive clothing? Olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous, as white as snow. Elisha said, is it time to receive money and clothing and vineyards and livestock and servants and, and, and all of the stuff that the world can give us? He's asking, what he's asking Gehazi is this. He's saying, do you see your purpose and your function and your existence in this life to simply be a recipient of wealth and abundance and the things of this world? Is that what you believe that your time on this earth is all about, to just get more stuff for yourself? Is that what you're after? Is that the outcome you're looking for? Just more of the world's stuff? Because, listen, you can get all that stuff. Interesting, Elisha didn't tell him to return it. You can get all that stuff. God won't stop you. All the money, all the recognition, the status of this world. Just realize that with the pursuit of this world comes the leprosy of this world. That with the chasing of Naaman comes the leprosy of Naaman. What does that mean? It means that if you forego the deeper work that God is trying to do in you to make you a vessel of honor, sanctified for the master's use. You can do that. You can use your talents and your gifts to seek after the things of this world. Just understand that there's a leprosy that comes with it. That your ministry, listen, your ministry, your calling, your work, it won't have the blessing of God. Leprosy was... An Old Testament sign, a signal of God's curse, of God's abandonment. God won't look at it, your work, your ministry, your calling. He won't look at it as a pure offering unto himself that he can bless. He'll see it as something that is tainted and toxic and diseased by this world, having come from Naaman that he can't bless. How sad it is to sit under some ministries today, and you can see it. Sure, there's a calling on that man or that woman, but now, as he ministers in the pulpit, there's a worldliness, a leprosy, a resorting to gimmicks and ploys and manipulations to try and extort, to get money out of people, to manipulate people with, with emotion, pretending that the Spirit of God 
is moving when really it's just a fabrication, coming down to the altar and praying for people and really pushing them over to try and make it look like God is doing something, fabricating miracles, fabricating healings, fabricating prophecies in the name of the Lord. Oh, it looks good, but it has a leprosy on it. I've been at huge Christian events that they call worship services. Gifted men and gifted women. God has given talents and abilities, and the crowds come by the thousands, but there's a worldliness to it. A glorification of man. Sure, they, they sing to God, but it's man at the center. It's about the show, the money, the contracts, the crowds, the next gig, the applause, the branding, the merchandise. There's money to be made, and there's a leprosy attached to it. Not everyone can discern it. Not everyone wants to talk about it. But to God, it's a worldliness that He can't bless. It's leprosy. And it's not just in the pulpit. It's not just in Christendom. It's in the marketplace. People who go to church on Sunday and worship the Lord on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, in their careers, there is a leprosy. On their jobs, there's a leprosy. In their business, there's a leprosy. It's not blessed of God because they're seeking to operate according to worldly principles. On Sunday, they're worshiping the Lord. On Monday through Saturday, they're chasing Naaman. They operate in a way that will bring the rewards of this world, and that's all they care about. Not God's blessing, and God sees it as leprosy. There is a toxic, worldly residue on their lives, on their careers. Sure, they got nice clothes from Naaman. Sure, they got some silver from from Naaman. They've got the huge house, they've got the nice cars, they've got the money in the bank, but there's a toxic worldly residue upon all they possess, and you can see it, you can hear it on them when they talk, you can sense it, it's in their home, it's in their attitude, it's in their mindset, it's in their perspective, it's in their marriage, it's in their children, it's in their children's lives, it's in their, the way their children live. Gehazi was seeking something that God didn't yet want him to have. It wasn't time for him to be clothed with status and rewarded with wealth. That was not the season that God had appointed him to. Not yet. Maybe at some time when his character, his integrity, his humility would be strong enough to endure the status and the wealth and the privilege without being corrupted by his pride and his entitlement, but for now, that wasn't the season God had ordained. For now, all God wanted for Gehazi was to stay in his place and be faithful in obscurity and allow the process to work all things together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Can I invite the worship team, please? So I think the lesson, the real lesson Elisha was trying to teach Gehazi, which is the lesson for us today, 
is that living for Christ, consecrating our lives, our careers to Him, can never be about the rewards we get for ourselves. And if that's all it's about, if it's only about adding square footage to my comfort zone, if it's only about getting some status, some recognition for myself, if that's what it's about, it will only, all that success and all of that accumulation will only become toxic leprosy. The only motive for us as Christ followers, for our work in our ministry, is not the profit motive, it's the motive for His glory. Hello? Amen? That it's all about Him. It's not about us. For His glory, for His purpose, for His kingdom, not ours. Amen? So this is where we come to on Consecration Sunday. Let's all stand together. When we say, my career the place that I'm in right now. It's not about me just getting success for myself. It's about me being a servant of God, existing for His glory. And when I succeed, Lord, I'll give you the glory. Hallelujah. I'll give you the praise, Lord. When I get the rewards of this world, when I receive the increase in the income and the money, I won't treat it simply as something to hoard for myself. But when you bless me, Lord, first and foremost, Lord, I'm going to return the tenth back to you to honor you. And then, Lord, I'm going to use what you've put in my hands to enlarge your kingdom and to further your purposes whether it be missions, or whether it be benevolence, that, Lord, everything you give to me is ultimately yours. Hallelujah. And I'm going to use it for your glory, lest it turn to leprosy in my hands. So we've given you an opportunity this morning. As you came in, you probably saw in your chair, there is a prayer card for career consecration. We're encouraging everyone to to fill that out, put it in the envelope along with you have a, if you have a business card, you can put a business card in there. If you have, if you have an offering, you can put that in there as well. Stick it in there. And uh, what we're going to do after we pray is we're going to invite you to come forward to the offering chests here and to put the envelope in the chest. And in doing so, to say, Lord, I will not offer to you that which costs me nothing, Lord, as I pledge my career to you, my profession, my business to you for your glory, Lord God. I'm not going to do it without an offering, God, to show you the strength of my, convi my conviction, Father. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we consecrate these next few moments to you, that, Lord, in these few moments as we walk forward, that you would see this, Lord, as a moment where we consecrate our lives to you to say, Lord God, we're not here to just make a profit. We're here to serve your purposes. Your purposes in my life and your purposes, God, in the kingdom. So I consecrate myself, my business, my profession to you. 
to bring glory to your name. Hallelujah. So I'm going to invite you. What we're going to do is we're going to step to the center, walk down the center, and then you can go out to the side here where the chest is and return back up the side aisles. Amen? So as the team leads us in worship, let's consecrate ourselves and our careers to the Lord.